Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. She said that the previous night she had woken up and she could see these five dark, shadowy, looking figures but no real discernible features I suppose to the face or anything like that but a definite sort of head and torso uh, were all in a line walking up and down the uh, hallway. You're listening to The Ghost Files, the podcast where everyday people share their extraordinary experiences of the spirit world. I'm your host, Karina Machado. I'm also the host of the Spirit Sisters podcast and the author of Spirit Sisters, Where Spirits Dwell and Love Never Dies. As longtime fans of the show will know, here we explore the gamut of spine-tingling real-life encounters, from the spookiest hauntings to the most profound and life-affirming messages from our late loved ones. Each and every story has something to teach us. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, please get in touch with me via my website, karinamachado.com, or visit my Facebook page, Karina Machado Author. Now to the episode. This week, my guest is Liz Gall, who listened to the double episode back in January featuring Sophie Tate and her chilling haunted house story. That's a hard one to forget. For Liz, it called to mind some frightening phenomena she'd experienced in the family home when she was 13 years old. Here's her story about the strange goings-on in an unassuming modern home in Brisbane. Hi Liz, welcome to The Ghost Files. Hi Karina, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. Mm -hmm. Now, I love that your story is about your childhood home. I know that my childhood home left such a mark on me, and I suspect that so many of our listeners will feel the same way about the homes they grew up in. Mm -hmm. When you think of your childhood home, what's the first thing that springs to mind? Well, I I certainly uh, was excited to move in there. The house is quite large. It's, It's three stories tall. Uh, It sits on top of a a hill uh, and it has incredible views of the rest of the suburb. And, uh, yes, I I really enjoyed moving in there and having my own bedroom. There was my sister and I growing up, so we had separate bedrooms when we moved into this house. And, yeah, I I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) And how old were you when you moved in? Uh, Eleven. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, so it sounds like a very, a very lovely, a very kind of open and light modern house, yes. but yet some strange things began to happen. Mm. What, how long had you been living in there before uh, the phenomena began? I expect it was probably, 
uh, about a couple of years. So it's it didn't start immediately, um, and there was certainly before moving into this house, nothing occurred to me at all. Um, so yes, it was definitely just um, after I moved in here, and yes, probably probably one to two years after that. Okay. So you were still quite young, a little girl. Relatively young, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so what do you think was the first spooky thing to happen? Um, I, I always had heard footsteps upstairs. The, it was all concentrated upstairs. I never really felt or heard anything downstairs. But when I was downstairs, everything that I could hear and everything I experienced um, happened on the upper floor. So yes, it, it it was all up there, I suppose. Okay, and that's where the bedrooms were. Yeah, so there's there was all there was three bedrooms and one bedroom, my parents' bedroom had an ensuite attached to it, and there was a main bathroom uh, and a hallway which um, ran sort of between all the rooms. And that's it. That's what made up the top floor. Okay. So you've you've told us that you kind of always heard the footsteps, but it doesn't sound like they scared you, at least not in the beginning. I didn't really know what it was. I thought, I guess at the time I probably assumed that it was somebody else uh, who lived in the house, uh, like my parents or my sister, but I did come to realise that often when I heard the footsteps and it was day and night it wasn't just specifically at night time um uh I realized that there was no one up there so yes I I came to realize that later on I suppose so that you you realized that after some other sort of more potent things had happened I suppose so yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so please tell us in the kind of order of things how how things happened you know how things went on to unfold please Liz um it's hard to remember what order things happened in because there was a lot of sort of standalone experiences as well as sort of this constant sort of background yeah the footsteps the the noises I could hear um that sort of thing um I I think it it probably started with the footsteps and escalated to me hearing voices generally at night um, and these were voices that I could half figure out where they were which room they were coming from um, but again very muffled voices and nothing I could really specifically make out what they were saying um, and generally it was coming from my parents bedroom when they weren't in there? When they weren't in there. I, I knew they were definitely not in there. Um, there, was, there was one episode. I, w- I was definitely home alone in the house. This was during daytime. I was studying um, for school and my parents and my sister were out. And while I was sitting at the kitchen bench, I could hear footsteps going across the top of the floor. The floor slash ceiling between the two levels was very thin and we had lights that hung down um, on long sort of metal strings, I suppose, and they would mm-hmm. shake um, er- mm. and it didn't take much 
for them to shake when someone sort of walked across the floor and they made a very distinct noise, I suppose, because the lights had um, glass panels on them. Oh, okay. And I I could hear the footsteps going from my parents' room to over the hallway um, and where I was sitting uh, at the kitchen bench above me would have been um, sort of where my room was, my bedroom. upstairs so I could definitely hear the footsteps going across Uh, then they stopped and I could hear some sort of muffled voices upstairs but again I I could never make out what they were saying and at that at that point I was because I was home alone I was absolutely terrified and I listened to it for a while um, and it kept going um, and I got so (laughs) so scared I ran out the back door uh, and around the back of the house out to the front and stayed there till my parents got home so I don't blame you I don't blame you I mean even if we were to think well it's an intruder and, and I don't think from from listening to your story I don't think that occurred to you because you'd already heard this kind of thing before would that be true to say yes I knew there was no one in the house the whole back of the house was really windows and we had long decks that sort of covered each each level of the house at the back I would have known if someone tried to get in um like a human um yeah being able to get into the house it just would not have been possible for them to get by me without me seeing anything Okay. Um, so yes, the footsteps sort of came out of nowhere and they were just they just started inside the house. And it sounds like in that moment when you were down in the kitchen listening to the footsteps above your head that they were heading from your parents' room to your room. Is that right, Liz? Yes, yeah. So it's even more scary. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I, every time I was and I used to spend a lot of stu- a lot of time in the study which was on the lower floor at the back of the house at night. Um, either reading or doing work for school and whenever I was in that room at night I would hear the footsteps upstairs and I knew there was no one up there because my parents and my sister were in the lower part of the house Mm -hmm. at the time but yes I would hear it every time I was in there pretty much and I they were definite footsteps You, you couldn't mistake it because of the way the floor was and the way the lights sort of shook and made that rattling noise when someone walked across the floor. Mm, so a definite physical effect that you oh, can yeah. see and hear and feel. Yes, definitely. Yep. Wow. And so in that moment where you were sitting at the kitchen studying and you heard that and then you ran outside and waited for your parents, yes. how long did you need to wait out the front for them to get home and oh, did you God. tell them when they got home? Uh, yes, I, I did. I I probably did tell them. I don't have a a very specific memory of that, but I would have because they would have wanted to know while I'm standing out in front of the house on the street. But but it was probably an hour or so. Okay. Oh, dear. All right. And then so what was – I know that you – it's very hard to pinpoint sort of the order and that's fine, Mm. but what do you think is the next thing that stands out in your memory as to the the next thing that happened? Um, Well, the sounds that I could hear coming from my parents' bedroom escalated um, to more than just footsteps. I I used to hear – 
I hated walking. There were stairs in the middle of the house that took you from the 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 one floor to another, and the stairs sort of went round each other. And you could every time I got down to the landing in the middle of the stairs, I was at the closest point to their bedroom, and I knew for some reason that that if I didn't go quickly down the stairs, I would hear something. Um, so I tried to very, very quickly go up or down the stairs uh, whenever I was going from floor to floor. Um, but I would hear their uh, ensuite toilet flushing. And it was, de- you know, a toilet flushing. It's an unmistakable noise. and I, And I knew that there was no one upstairs at that time. Um, but yes, I would hear the toilet flushing and I would hear the toilet lid slam down. Um, yes, that, so I suppose what I was hearing from there was sort of just escalating slowly. Okay. And I think when we, when we spoke briefly for the first time, you also mentioned that in terms of the voices, you began Mm. to hear a small girl's cry and a man like talking to her. I woke up. I woke up. I had gone to bed reasonably early one night, and my parents were still downstairs because I could hear them talking down there. Um, And my parents, but I woke up and I, I heard a man's voice and a young girl's voice coming, was definitely coming from my parents' bedroom. They had a large walk in wardrobe. Uh, that you walked through before getting to the ensuite, so you could I could see my parents' bedroom from where my bed was, but you couldn't sort of see around the corner into the into the uh, walk-in wardrobe or the bathroom. Okay. Um, but I could I could hear a man man's voice talking to a young girl, and she was crying. Again, I could could not make out what. They were saying she was definitely upset because she was crying, and he was talking to her, not really in a in a consoling way, but more telling her what to do, I suppose that sort of manner. Mm. Um, and I can't I remember. I assumably I probably went back to sleep. Yeah, that's what most people do. Don't worry. Oh dear. <laughs> Most people don't go and investigate, you know. Oh, no, no, no way was I going to go and investigate it. I was terrified. (laughs) And and what did you make of it? What did your young mind reflect on? You know, what did you think this could be or who were these people or these discarnate spirits? Who who were they? Well, I, I have always been very open to the supernatural, I have to say. So ever since I was a very young age I've been interested in it I certainly have always believed in it uh, I just assumed they were spirits uh, I didn't get a very good feeling from it it made me very uneasy um, but I didn't really I suppose sort of think too much as to as to what was happening in there and whether it had any specific significance but yes, I did. I certainly felt quite disturbed by what yes. was happening. Mm. Okay. And there were some things moving around at this point as well, some physical objects 
in the house began to move around. Is that right, Liz? Book, books would be on the floor, yes, um, the, that's right. Nothing, uh, I never saw anything physically being moved. Um, uh, my mother would always say she put things like a jumper um, or a vase in a certain spot and then, yes, it would be in a completely different spot. Everyone would deny it being moved. Um, but probably the most prominent thing is is books being on the floor, face down. So mm. was that in your room or in other parts of the house? Uh, that was in any part of the house. Mm. Wow, face down, yes. just on the floor. Yep. <laughs> okay. And the only thing that strikes me when you tell me that is that you, from what you've told me in this conversation and in others, I gather that you were quite a studious child. You were read, you would read a lot. Is would yeah. that be fair to say? Yes, yes. I we both my sister and I were avid readers. My father was a teacher, but he did a lot of of university study before that, and and wrote a thesis and so we were very I suppose education was very very much pushed on us um and yes we were very and this is this is long before iPads and phones and and all that stuff so yes we were we were very studious and and avid readers yeah Mm, it just sort of makes it almost personal doesn't it it does yes and we had we Mm. had a lot of books in the house a lot and yeah, so I suppose um, yeah, it was um, the books may have been some significance being on the floor face down, but as to what that meant, I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah, very hard to know what it meant. Mm. And just for the time frame, you mentioned obviously that this was before iPads and before all of that. Mm. So we're talking the nineties, yes. We, or? So I moved yeah. in in nineteen ninety. Okay. So yes, this was the early nineties. Yes. Okay, and there was one other detail I just wanted to um, pick on from our earlier conversation. There was mm. a scratchy noise against your door frame. Yeah, yeah, so I, and I have to say, whenever anything happened overnight and I had woken up, um, I was always able to move. I was never paralysed in any any way when anything happened overnight. I I could move. Um, I didn't speak, but I could have. But I think I could have spoken or shouted out if I wanted to. Um, and I woke up one night. I had, I had rearranged my my room as most teenagers do from time to time, uh, and I put my bed in a different spot closer to the bedroom door. Um, rather than being against the wall, and I'd rearranged all the posters on my walls and the and the desk in my room and all that. Um, and I woke up that night um, to a scratchy noise against my what sounded like my door frame, um, and I could hear a low, what sounded like scratching, but being made by by a voice to begin with. Uh, but then it definitely said my name. Um, and I was facing away from the bedroom door when this happened, but I was definitely awake because I had woken up to the scratching noise. Um, and in the morning, for whatever reason, in the morning I had decided that 
whatever it was didn't like the room the way I had arranged it (laughs) and I rearranged it back to exactly the way it was before that. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So this is really interesting because, well, first of all, what you thought was a scratch on a doorframe was actually a voice, which is yes, fascinating. It, 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 that's how it sort of started. It sounded like nails being scratched on the doorframe because we had wooden doorframes, um, but it definitely said my name, Liz, um, and I, I think it said it twice um, and my I just remember my heart pounding um, and I just shut my eyes. Obviously, I had the blanket over my head at that stage. Um, but I could definitely move. I had moved into like a fetal position, um, like a tight little ball that I'd curled myself up in. So it's not like I couldn't move. I could yeah. definitely interact and, and, but there was no way I was going to look as to what it was at all that's really frightening to hear it was this. it was terrible yeah. mm. your, your name yeah mm. now did you discuss any of these experiences with anyone else in the house and see whether anybody else was experiencing something as well yes I I I not not everything I didn't I never mentioned to anybody that I could hear the um toilet flushing in the ensuite, but I did mention certain things to them. And sometimes my parents believed me and other times they didn't. Right. <laughs> so it, it, I guess it was just dependent on, on their mood at the time. They were reasonably open to this sort of stuff. They um, had had experiences of their own, but um my father, for example, had an experience when he was younger that he told me when I was relatively young myself, probably about 10, um, but then later, many years later, sort of said, oh, that probably didn't happen. It was probably my imagination. Uh, so he'd recount some things at certain certain times, I suppose. So, mm. yes, they were open to an extent and then other times they weren't. And your sister? Yes, she has always. Uh, I did. Uh, I did tell her everything. She has never had um, anything like this happen to herself. She always slept through everything. <laughs> <laughs> so she, yeah, she never had. It. She never went through it. But yes, she did believe me. Yeah, because she well, was I'm- quite interested, I suppose, in the supernatural as well. Yes, and we're about to touch on that because on the day that your experiences reached a kind of crescendo, mm. your sister had borrowed a particular book from the library. Tell us yeah. about the book. So it was just a, a book from one of the local council libraries and the book was about ghosts. It it was a kind of a very unassuming book. It was a it was covered in a black fabric. Um, and it had ghosts, just ghosts, written on the front. That's it, in sort of very old-style calligraphy writing um, in like a silvery-grey colour and then covered in plastic as all library books are. Um, so, yeah, she borrowed that book out. I had She'd never borrowed it before, um, even though we had been to that library a few times before. Um, and I do remember because – we're relatively young, so we're sitting in the back seat of my parents' car on the way home, and she had the book 
sitting between us. Um, and I, I had a sick feeling when I looked at it. I, this was during the day still, obviously on the way home. And, and I, I thought she shouldn't have borrowed it out. Um, for whatever reason, I, I felt like that. Um, mm. and then I guess dismissed it from then on. It's an unusual kind of reaction to have to a library book in the daytime. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, because yeah. I'd, I'd certainly, um, she'd certainly borrowed books like that out before from the library, and we had owned we have owned a couple of books uh, about ghosts and the supernatural. But for whatever reason, that that book um, gave me the creeps. <laughs> and then what happened that night? So that night, um, I was in my room reading a novel for school, for my English class for school. And this was probably around midnight, 1am, so relatively late. Everyone else had long gone to bed uh, and I had my door shut to my room uh, and I was sitting there reading a the book for school and I could, there's a set of cupboards um, that line the hallway outside uh, our bedrooms and the cupboards are made of thin slats of wood and they can close and be and stay closed because they have a little magnet at the top of them and they make a very distinct noise when you open and shut them because the magnet you can hear it sort of clicking against the magnet um so I could hear these cupboards opening and shutting a few times and I thought it it was very late and my parents seldom get up um, during the night at this stage um, but I assumed that it was one of them getting a blanket um, outside of the cupboard because it was a linen cl- um, cabinet and that's where we kept all the bl- the spare blankets uh, but I didn't think much of it and I certainly didn't open the door and, and ask who it was. I didn't hear anything else, just the cupboards. Um, so I then probably about 20 minutes later decided to go to sleep uh, and I normally keep my bedroom door or at that stage kept my bedroom door open at night because um, my father preferred it, preferred he could hear what was happening. Um, so I left the, so I went to open the bedroom door and I just couldn't. I couldn't, my brain could not tell my hand to open the door. Every time I went to turn the doorknob, my hand would sort of freeze in a way and I just couldn't open it but for whatever reason I just I thought nothing of it um I just thought oh yeah I can't open the door um and then just went to bed after Mm. that and I woke up so it was probably it was between 3 and 3 30 um in the morning so a couple of hours later and I could hear nothing but I woke up with a jolt and turned my face towards the my closed bedroom door, and I knew f- I I don't know what told me, but I absolutely knew that there was something out there. And then I suddenly realised why I couldn't open my door earlier on. And I I don't know how long this went on for. It was probably about fifteen minutes, but I was just lying in bed terrified knowing there was something out there I just I just knew that yeah that whatever was out there was not good um so in the morning 
went downstairs for for breakfast as usual. My mum was standing in the kitchen. She was quite upset and I asked her what was wrong and she said that the previous night she had woken up um, at three whatever time, she said, because she did look at the clock when she woke up and she could see these five she definitely said there was five, five figures walking up and down the hallway. And the hallway, you can certainly, um, it was a shortish hallway, I suppose, but but you could certainly see most of the hallway from um, both my bedroom and my parents' bedroom. Uh, but these five figures that she said were just dark, shadowy, looking figures but no real discernible features I suppose to the face or anything like that but a definite sort of head and torso uh, were all in a line walking up and down the uh, hallway they didn't from what I know I don't I don't think they um, spoke to her um, or communicated her with her in any way um but she said when she came down in the morning, uh, the book that my sister had borrowed out from the library was also face down on the floor mm-hmm. um, and open, I believe, as well. So kind of half open but but pages sort of against the carpet. Um, and mum was – mum believed that, that the book, it all came from the book and um, – and that the book was bad in some way um, and that she made my father take it back to the library when he went to work that day. Oh, wow. So, yep, the book only lasted one night in yeah. your house. Yeah. But what a night. Oh, oh my gosh. goodness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was so terrifying. That's, yeah, so that is, that's a lot of stuff to happen in that one night and very interesting that your mum is able to verify that something indeed went on just as you suspected. Yeah. So a, a couple of things I just want to uh, try to unpack. So you so you said that you understood later mm. why you couldn't open the door. Mm. So mm. do you feel that there was something protecting you from seeing the same figures that your mum was seeing? Yeah, I, I believe something was trying to uh protect me the the that was definitely the reason why I couldn't open the door because if the door was open I would have seen them um and been 10 times as terrified probably <laughs> so yes I I thoroughly believe there there was something yeah also um protecting me mm. okay and did your mum have any theories as to who these five figures were or whether they were spirits or what what did she say about them no she she never she never thought they were anything other than something evil um or bad so and I, I I do have to say that everything that I've experienced um as well uh I've I've never really had a feeling that anything's been human um the it's either good or bad. I've I've just never felt a human attachment um, to anything. Oh. It's it's either a good. I feel it's either a good spirit or a bad spirit. 
Okay. And your mum had also on a previous occasion seen something in her room. Yeah. So she, she was, we were all downstairs. This was at night and she had gone to bed um, and she had been asleep, she said, and we were all downstairs watching TV and and suddenly she started shouting for my father to come upstairs um, and we all raced up there um, and she's got she had at the time this large sort of chair um, easy chair I suppose sitting in the corner of corner of a room um, and she said she suddenly woke up with a jolt and saw uh, this figure sitting in this chair and it was taunting her she said uh, or laughing at her I believe um, and she she didn't really go into a lot of detail but she was uh, terrified uh, and I knew by her reaction that she had seen something um, and how long before the 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 night with the five figures was that oh maybe a year okay all that yeah these events never really happened all that close together I suppose they were very random um and didn't really generally seem related to anything specifically Mm. Um, they were just they just happened when they happened I suppose one thing that seems to stand out is that they were centered around you and to to a lesser extent your mum as well Mm. Mm. why do you think that was the case well, my, my mother did have mental illness. She, she was diagnosed uh, long before I was born. Um, and there was a lot at the time of, of all these things happening, there was an awful lot of upheaval, I suppose, in our house, um, as well as mum's illness. Um, I, we had been burgled a couple of times, both an attempt, attempted burglary and a couple of physical break-ins. Um, my grandmother had died, so my that was my father's mother, um, whom I was extremely close to um, and took a long time for me to get over that. Um, I was also having some personal issues myself mm. um, and I... When I think back to, to all this, to everything that had happened, I, I, I really believe that um, this, the, all this happened because it was attracted to all this negative energy um, in the house. And I, I don't, in retrospect, I don't think it was the house itself. I think it was us that it was attracted to and everything that was happening with us and in our lives. Mm, I think that's a very valid theory Mm. and you were 13 years old. That's right. Yeah, and there was some sort of poltergeist activity going on, which is the the things being moved and Mm. the um, sounds Mm. and the voices. And very often in cases of poltergeist activity, there are teenagers or a teenager at the centre of it. Mm. So, so, and often there is some sort of turmoil within the family as well. Yes. So yeah. all of those things do point to, you know, what you're saying, Liz. Yeah, that's that's a very kind of, it's a it's a good theory. Yeah. 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 About the negative energy that it's attracted to and making the most of what is perhaps an innate 
psychic ability within you yeah 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 it certainly helps I think kind of being open to this stuff as as so many of your guests do say it's it's when you're open and believe in this sort of thing it does seem to uh be attracted to you I suppose as well yes yes well some people say that you know people with an expanded awareness and the theory is that we all have it to some extent, but some have it more than others. Yeah. Um, they tend to shine like a beacon, is mm-hmm. the saying, to the spirit world and you get all sorts coming to that light. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So um, we mentioned earlier that you had listened to the episode, the two-part episode with Sophie Tate, and there were parallels. And one of them you mentioned, you said mm-hmm. that you didn't believe that it was actually anything human behind this haunting, that it were, was this kind of negative entity. Yeah. Uh, and then there was another thing that I found interesting because you, like Sophie, you didn't want to see anything. And no. so you, you didn't. No, I just, uh, I felt like, that if I did see something that I wouldn't cope very well emotionally with it um, and I don't I don't know why but I think whatever was good in the house knew that and it was trying to yes protect me from that because I, I really felt this sort of push-pull between good and bad um, at the same time as sort of the the bad things were happening I I really uh, I did feel like there was also good there at the same point um trying to protect me to a certain extent and three years later you actually went on to experience another very different encounter that is perhaps a manifestation of this good yes tell us about that so yes, I think I was round about that that age sixteen mark or, or sixteen seventeen, and this was very early in the morning, but it was very bright. So I I think it was summer at the time because I'm I'm pretty sure it was around about five o'clock or so in the morning. And I had woken up and I'd been awake for a few minutes. I was lying in bed, um, facing away from the door again, um, and I could hear, even though it's all upstairs is carpeted when everything's absolutely silent it's very thick carpet and you can just hear when someone's walking on the carpet so I could definitely hear footsteps coming down the hallway towards my bed Um, I didn't feel anything sit on my bed but I felt something standing beside me I I was still facing away from the door at this stage and even though I was awake, I pretended to be asleep by closing my eyes um, and I felt a definite hand uh, lay on my head. Um, it, not a, I knew it wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a really strong physical feeling but I definitely felt it. And then it sat there for a little bit and then the hand, it took the hand away and then I just heard these footsteps walking back down the hallway. And I turned around. Once the footsteps were gone, I turned around and looked uh, and there was no one there. And I assumed that it was my dad for whatever reason. I don't know why. I wasn't scared, like in the least, Um, but I uh, I did ask him later on in the morning why he did that (laughs) and he told me that he was asleep 
and uh, everyone was definitely still asleep at that stage. It was very early and I had gone back to sleep um, after that had happened. But then when I realised after he, I asked him about that and he said it wasn't him, he was curious as to what he wanted me to sort of elaborate, which for whatever reason I didn't do. Um, I didn't sort of go into it with him. But I knew then that it was, that whatever it was, wasn't um, human. Um, but I really felt that it was a protective spirit. Um, so yes. Possibly a human spirit, though, as opposed to the other energy? I don't really know. I always like to think that it was my grandma. Mm. I had such a close relationship with her and she she was she herself was fascinated with supernatural. She'd tell me stories constantly. Um she was an avid believer. Um and I do like to think that it probably was her. Uh but yeah, I well have been. I did feel that it did have a a female feeling to it um but I don't know if that's just because it it felt sort of comforting and protective and I suppose that's the sort of things you liken to a a woman or a motherly figure mm. um, but yes I undoubtedly it wasn't bad it was good and so by then by the time you'd experienced this kind of more positive encounter had the other phenomena subsided um I always heard the footsteps always Um, I, there were a couple of other instances, um, where these are very vague memories, but I would, I did see a couple of, I woke up in the middle of the night and, and saw black figures either standing in my hallway or standing at the end of my bed. And I would, I would always, I was in a very sleep like state at this stage, but I did, and I always assumed it was my sister standing there and I always just tell, told her to go back to bed. So I could actually talk um, mm. and tell them what to do and then I would just go back to sleep. And during those episodes, the room was also bathed in a red light as well. It wasn't just dark. It was definite red, like it was coming through the windows but you couldn't sort of see where it was coming from. So that was a couple of episodes, but again, these they were very. I was I had woken up, and my memory of them is quite vague. Mm. Um, but yes, I do recall that definitely. That's um, really interesting, Liz. And yeah. I'm just going to throw something out from left field here. Mm. Some of the uh, things that you're sharing, some of the aspects of your story, do make me wonder. And I'm not an expert in this field, but about extraterrestrial visits. Have you ever looked into that? It's it certainly like um, had, like when you when I sort of think back on it, yes, you could, it looks like some, when you sort of describe it, it sounds like something out of that they would have on, uh, uh, like on a film about that, about an yeah. extraterrestrial visit. It was definitely the, the I mean, the, the figures never spoke to me um and I just, for some reason, always assumed that it was somebody in the house. I don't know why. I, it, uh, maybe that was a, a protective thing as well. If I, if I had seen these things and, and thought at the time, 
that it's something bad, I, I, I would have been more scared and, and maybe that's probably half the reason why I, why I went back to sleep. I don't know. I assumed it yes. was my standing there for whatever reason in the middle of the night looking at me and, and um, uh, then I just told her to go back to sleep. But it yes. definitely wasn't her. No, yes. it wasn't her. It was too, way too tall to be her. She was a child or a teenager herself at the time. So, no, um, but these things were, were very tall. I have to say. Wow. Well, it is absolutely fascinating. Um, I just want to, as we're winding up, ask you how long you lived in the home? Um, So I moved out when I was 20. So yeah, so around about the year 2000. So it was pretty much encompassed the, the 1990s. Okay. And did you go on to experience any other phenomena in any other home you lived in? I have, yes. Um, oh. I had. <laughs> I have one incident in a house that I lived in about 10 years ago. I was working shift work at the time and I had woken up around about half an hour or three quarters an hour before I had to and it was still dark in the morning, it was winter, Um, and I had woken up to a crying noise and we, at the time we had a dog and a cat and I thought it was the cat because it was very quiet to begin with and all the doors were shut, um, uh, both my bedroom, our bedroom door, I was married at the time, um, as well as all the the windows and the doors in the house Um, and I could hear this sort of crying and it did did remind me of a cat cry to begin with but it just got louder and louder and louder till it was, it sounded like it was coming from one end of the house up to my end of the house um, till it was pretty much outside the bedroom door and it definitely wasn't a cat. You could hear sobbing. It was definitely a sobbing noise and honestly I couldn't even breathe. I was that frightened. My heart was just thumping so, so hard. I thought that whatever it was could hear my heart thumping. It was that loud. Um, And then I it just got quieter and quieter and quieter like it went away, like walked away from the door and then the sun came up and that was that. Oh, that's that's quite scary. Were you by yourself in the room? My husband was there but he, he never he, he never experiences anything either so he sleeps through the whole whole thing, oh, <laughs> which is very wow. not helpful, I have to say. <laughs> and... Obviously, the crying has echoes of the, the crying that you heard in your childhood home as well. Yes, this this definitely sounded like a not a child. Uh, I would say a young woman. Um, but again, I I didn't. I got a. I was just terrified. I didn't. I didn't sort of get a specific feeling from it. But it was a woman's um, voice. Yeah. And okay, wow, that was that's very moving. That one, yeah, it's, it's almost like they came to your door for help. And potentially, if you had wanted to develop that side of yourself, you, you this is just what I'm, I'm wondering mm-hmm. that you could perhaps learn how to help them, maybe. Yeah, it's it's certainly uh, a possibility, but I wasn't <laughs> gonna help them that 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 um, morning. I have to say, I was just yeah, I was so so scared. Oh, well, 
Liz, it's, it's just been so interesting speaking to you today and hearing about your experiences. I wonder, decades later, looking back, how do you reflect on what you went through as a, as a child having these experiences and the part it played in making you the person you are today? Well, I mean, I certainly, as I said before, I, I, I believe being open to this sort of thing has enabled me to go through this. Um, and certainly uh, going through everything, I suppose, when I was a teenager, that, that wasn't that great. Um, and uh, I, really, I really believe that, yes, the good and the evil being there together, I, uh, even though a lot of these experiences were unpleasant and they were frightening, I do feel that um, it sort of made me just made me more comforted in in that I know uh, that I'm being protected um, and yeah that I that I feel I suppose a little bit more worldly I guess going through this and and being able to to um, talk about these experiences yeah I just uh, I feel it has it's given me a sense of comfort I suppose which sounds very strange because they, yeah, because the majority of the experiences haven't been pleasant. But I have had good ones as well and and I feel like I'm being taught something or, or shown something that there's more to it than just the here and now. Mm, perhaps it's still unfolding and we'll have to get you back on the show <laughs> later on. I, I have had other experiences as, as well and um I do, yes. I, I and, and my parents have too, and and so yes, it it is kind of very um, in our family, I suppose. Yes, and that's not uncommon. No. So, to sum up, please, Liz, what can an encounter with the dead teach us about living? Well, I, as I said, I, I believe there's both good and evil out there. Um, there has to be an antithesis for everything as far as I'm concerned, and, and I have no doubt in my mind that life after death exists. Uh, we can't all be having these experiences for no reason. Um, I definitely think there's something behind it all, and I really do take great comfort in believing we don't just um, return to the earth after we die and that's the end of it. Um, I, 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 it's a frightening thought to me that if you die and you're buried and and that's it i if you the without I mean the possibility of going on living in another world is far more comforting to me absolutely um, and you've just summed yeah. up why i do these podcasts yeah, yeah. and the, and sort of what was the impulse for me to even begin this inquiry many years ago. So, yeah, yeah. thank you so much. It's just been a joy to speak with you today, Liz, and I uh, wish you all the best and we'll maybe talk again one day. <laughs> thank you very much, Karina. That was really good. Thank you. No worries. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Ghost Files. If you love the show... Leave us a five-star rating, write a review and tell a friend.